first of all, thank you again for welcoming me and Jose Mataharetz to, to your show, to, to, to your Beit Midrash. It's amazing to be able to learn here. And it's amazing to just to see that that we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in an Isara. Everybody's a million things to think about. Everybody's a million things to do. There is so much to do for, for Am Yisrael. But Talmud Torah is really our core. Talmud Torah is what gives, gives Am Yisrael energy. Talmud Torah is what is what gives the Jewish people the the ability to to, to the the ability in the koach to win the battle, and particularly Talmud Torah in a community where there are people that are serving on the front lines. There are people that are that are on the front lines currently. Um, it's just so important to increase Torah in the in the community. So of course there's tefillah, of course there's chassid that's happening in the community in the community in the in, in the community as we speak. But just we wanted to create more opportunities for people to come together in the center of the spiritual house of the community, in, this, in the shul, in the Beis to be able to learn together. A bunch of people from the community, nobody here, have told me over the course of the last week and a half how meaningful it is for them, that they have children or siblings or friends who are on the front lines, that there are people sitting and learning in the Shirat of Beit Midrash every day, morning, morning and afternoon. It's meaningful for people emotionally and psychologically, of course it's meaningful, meaningful for people for people spiritually, and that's and that's what we're here to do. If you enjoyed the learning today, come back on Tuesday morning for a shear with Yaakov Greenberg on Tzitzis, spiritual armor. You see why Tzitzis has become the this thing that's taken over the army. And on Thursday, a shear with Isaac Selter, Isaac, Isaac in the back, about about going from going from a Khatuna to the front lines, what is the Torah's perspective on these and these stories that we've seen of people getting married in the middle of Miluim, and then next day or two days later going back to the front lines, doesn't a Hassan get a tour for the for the first year? Um, that's, 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 that's what we'll be discussing. So our topic today really is a personal topic for me. I, I full, 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 full disclosure, I have a lot of anxiety, I'm a coward, I have a lot, a lot of fears in my life. Um, thank God it wasn't the first emotion that, that uh, like, that's washed over me on two Motsi Shabbos ago when I opened up the news and saw the extent of what was going on. A lot of Avelos, a lot of a lot of tsar, a lot of ka'ev, a lot of anger, but then a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Fear for people that I know are living down south, fear for the people for people that I know that are serving in the army, and fear for myself and my family living in Beit Shemesh, not so far from from, a, from where things were happening. It's around an hour's drive. A lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And then you start realizing, Yosef, you're a Rosh Madrash. You learn Torah all day. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You sort of have to start thinking things through, not just instinctively, but from a Torah perspective. What do the Makoros tell us about this emotion of anxiety, about this emotion of fear? We know the popular song, Misha Ma'amin Lo We know that there's so many psukim and so many speeches we've heard about Midah Bitachon. Bitachon meaning trust, trust being the opposite of fear, the opposite of anxiety. Anxiety, according to this, this, this definition which you read, comes from the Merriam-Webster online dictionary which is apprehensive of the uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill, something that there's unknown about the future, something which something horrible that might happen in the future causes this emotion that we call fear and anxiety. But what is, but betachon is trust, it's the opposite of that. What is the interaction of these two things, the instinctive um, anxiety and fear that we feel uh, versus the midah betachon that we're supposed to be instilling, instilling within ourselves? So this is the result of a little bit of research, a little bit of musings, a little bit, a little bit of sikhas and a little, a little bit of consulting, consultation with, 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 with my rebbeim. I'm sure there are a ton more makoros, but this is the way I am thinking about the sugyan el. Definitely feel free to chime in. I'd much rather this not be, this not be a lecture, even though I'm standing behind the podium and this, this setup is more lecture-like. Um, so there are many, many psukim about how fear exists, but bitachon is supposed to counteract fear. 
We say we say every Motzei Shabbos in Avdala. He need Kelly Shu is he of Tak below Efchad ki Aziv is Maska Hashem by Yidi Yeshua. Hashem, I trust in Hashem's Yeshua below Efchad. So Bitachon and Pachad are are contrasted in this pasuk. You naturally have Pachad, but Bitachon is supposed to counteract that. Similarly, in Mishlei, the, this is where, the, these pesukim in Mishlei is, is where Rabbeinu Yonah has a long treatise about the meaning of Bitachon. The pasuk in Mishlei says, "Al don't be afraid of sudden terror. For Hashem shall be your trust. Trust in Hashem. Hashem will take care of you. You know, keep your foot from being caught. The translation here comes from Kabbalah.org, but as a translation, it's, it's based on Rashi. So we see some type of notion that bitakon, that trusting in Hashem, we have to define what that means, is supposed to counteract Pachad. Question is, to what degree? I drove in from Beit Shemesh to Gush on the first time last week Wednesday. I was terrified. I was really, really terrified. Thank God, by now the roads are more populated. There are more, more cars in the road. There's an increased security presence. Is that a good emotion? Is that a good emotional religious response to feel pachad when you're driving on the streets of Eretz Israel? I'm not a soldier. I'm not on the front line. I'm just driving my car from Beit Shemesh to Gush Gush I've done it many times. But is pachad supposed to be the emotion that we feel? We know bitachon is supposed to minimize pachad, but is there any place for that pachad? For the is there any place for the for the for that pachad at all? So. In this sheet, we're going to outline two basic approaches. One approach is going to be that, yeah, there is a place for Pachad, and Bitakon is going to be able to do something with that Pachad. And the second approach, is, which is going to be the Hasidish approach, which might be the approach that's more dominant in, in Shirat Tavid, is going to say, no, there is no place for Pachad whatsoever. is a literal, literal statement, categorical and literal. So let's go through the sources. In Tanakh, do we find great Sadiqim who are scared? What did you see in the source sheet? Yeah, Who's, who gets scared in Tanakh? Yaakov gets scared. Um, Moshe Rabino gets scared. We're going to see the Midrashim deal with the fact that they were scared. Maybe it wasn't so positive. But Aramadim himself was scared. Aram was scared. Going to the war of the kings. Oh, it says he was scared? I don't remember. Uh, that, that's a different story. So it's all right. But, for, but the Midrash, something says, something, says, something, something says he was scared. Here we have explicit psukim that in times of trouble, in times of war, in times where there's an unknown future, Yaakov Avinu was scared, and Moshe Avinu got scared. Assuming these are supposed to be our role models, you see that being scared is part of human life. So where does the need of Yitzhakon come in? Where does the need of trusting Hashem, of relying on Hashem, whatever that means, where does that come in? What does the Abarbanel say? The Abarbanel was not a Kabbalist. It was somebody working within Pshan the Pesachim. If Yaakov was scared, that means it's okay to be scared. If Moshe was scared, it means it's okay to be scared. So where does the bitachon, trusting Hashem, come in? What is different between the reaction of a, of a religious person and the reaction of a, of a non-religious person? Yeah. The difference between being scared and being paralyzed. Exactly, exactly. And, and what, 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 Rabbi, what Rabbi Rubin is saying is exactly what the Barbanel says. He says, of course Yaakov was scared. Of course Moshe Rabbeinu was scared. Being scared is, is an instinctive human reaction. He says, it's mitzad chiyuso. The very fact that you're alive, God created us with certain emotions, certain instincts, there's nothing you can do about it. You're in a trouble situation. You're going you're, you're to get scared. Where does bitachon come in? Look at, look at, just look at the underlying parts. Now that Yaakov realized that Esau hated him so much, Yaakov realized how much Esau hated him. He was, Esau was chasing him, the 400 people. Of course Yaakov got, got scared instinctively. Yaakov realized how much Esau hated him. 
Yaakov is able to use his intellect, his intellectual capabilities, his religious, his, his religious way of thinking to lead the, the other, the baser parts of his, of his, of, of, of his psyche. He was able to scream, to yell at his fear. And he took courage. And he walked towards Esau. He did what was necessary to do. So does, does Bitachon remove fear? No. What does Bitachon do? The fact that he, he says that Yaakov trusted, Yaakov trusted in the fact that God had a mission for him. What did that allow Yaakov to do? To not be paralyzed. To act, exactly. To feel the fear, but to over transcend it to a degree in the realm of action. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name already? Micah. Micah. So in that context, Yaakov was fearful and not paralyzed. He still felt some dangerous things were about to transpire because he separated his family. Yes. I might lose half my family. What is that uh, emuna in that context? I may not have any wounds. I know I'm going to live through this. I have sheep, they come on my side. Right, so that's a great question. That's going to be that's going to that's going to partially depend on the definition of bitachon, which I've been avoiding up until now, which we'll see in the next source. That bitachon, according to this approach, doesn't mean that the best possible the best possible eventuality is for sure going to happen, and therefore I don't have to take any any precautions. Bitachon is going to mean something else. Um, but the fact that Yaakov was able to act in three different in three, in three different planes. He, act, he acted in terms of creating a war plan. He davened and he did diplomacy. Means he was functioning in with a with a proper mindset. What allowed him to do that? The fact that he had bitachon basha, and the fear didn't paralyze him. So now let's get to Micah's question. So what is the definition of bitachon then? If bitachon really means I trust in Hashem that the tov hanigla hanira, the revealed good is for sure going to happen, so why be scared at all? You know for sure the revealed is going to the revealed good is going to happen. So we turn the page, we get to the Chazanish. The Chazanish wrote many, many books. He hardly wrote on topics of Makshava, though he has a lot of letters where there's a lot of ideas, a lot of interesting ideas that are embedded in his letters. He wrote one Sefer Makshava. Chazanish's one Sefer Makshava is a book called Amuna Abitachon. It's a fantastic book. The Hebrew is poetic. You, it's like, you know, you don't get the sense of Chazanish sat in a room all day learning, learning, learning Gemara Halakha, um, would have a poetic Hebrew. But the Hebrew is stunning. It's beautiful. Um, and he goes through chapter by chapter different elements of Emunah and Bitakon. Chapter one is about Emunah. Chapter two is about Bitakon. Chapter three is about Musar. It's about you know, once you have the Emunah of Deus correctly about, about character traits. And then he goes on. He goes on from there. Chapter two, Parag Bay, is probably the most well-known part of the book because this is where he tries to define the Midah Bitakon. He says, "What do the Chassidim say?" He quotes the Chassidim explicitly. What do the Chassidim say the definition of Bitakon is? I'm in a bad situation. I just lost my job, Chas Shalom. I'm in a war. There's this unknown future. What do I have to believe? What does Bitachon and Hashem tell me to, 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 to? What does Bitachon and Hashem tell me to think? The Tov Hanigla Panir is going to happen. The best possible eventuality, the best of all possible worlds, according to my perspective, according to the average human perspective, is what's going to happen. What does the Chazonish, coming from a more Litvish perspective, what did he call that notion of Bitakon? Look at the first word of the source. Taos. It's a mistake. Taot no Shenet. There was an old mistake. This Azracha Beleid Rabbim Musag Bitakon has become intertwined in the heart of many, of many people about the concept of Bitakon. Shem Bitakon and Meshamesh, the Midah Meholula, the Ikarit Mephir Chasidim. The word bitakon is service, serves as a 
is a um, is a very praiseworthy midah and a very primary midah in the mouths of the Hasidim. This toviva, it is what has it become evolved to mean the musag choval in within this group of people within the Hasidim, it means an obligation to believe the chol mikrash abogesh adam v'amidaso dekrat ated b'lti mukra any situation you're, that you're in, there's a fork in the road, you don't know what's going to happen, it's not in your control. And one, one direction is good, the other direction is, is not good. That the good thing is for sure going to happen. And if you have any doubts, when you start thinking about the opposite of good, that is a lack of bitakon. So what is the definition of bitakon that the is putting in the mouths of Chassidim, which we'll see from the mouths of Chassidim themselves in a couple of minutes, that the toh of hanigva v'hanira is going to happen. The revealed good is going to happen. You lost your job, you're, looking, you're, 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 applying, you're applying for a new job, whatever the situation is, toh of hanigva v'hanira, you're for sure going to get that job. You're in a battle, you don't know what's going to happen, you're in a war situation, you don't know what's going to happen. Firmly believe a toh of hanigva v'hanira. Yeah, sorry. Is it, is it Chassidim here in the term of like Yehuda That's how I was reading it. Okay. Hasidus, but as like these people consider themselves very from this uh, perspective. It could. I, I definitely hear that. It could be that. I didn't read it that way just because we know the Hasidim actually believe this. Right. Um, so it could. I hear what you're saying. Remind me your name. Harry. saying that Hasidim may not be the group of people that we identify as Hasidim. It might just be people that think of themselves as, as lofty and holy. It could be. Well, we will. So we will see this perspective, not no unabashedly, in the mouths of, of Hasidim. Um, so Hasidim says Hasidim says that's not true. Chazanish says that it's not the, the, uh, the age-old perspective about Bitakon. The age-old perspective about Bitakon is the belief that whatever happens is willed by Hashem. Hashem is in charge. Hashem is in charge of events, particularly national events. But does that mean I know that God is going to choose a tova nigla v'hanira, the revealed good that I think is the revealed good? Absolutely not. But I do know that God is in charge, and God is the one creating and orchestrating the events. So that's the situation. That's what bitachon means, that I don't know what's going to happen. I can't box it in and say, this for sure is going to happen, but I believe that God is in charge. What does that do to my level of pachat? What does that do to my level, to my level of anxiety? <coughs> it reduces it, exactly. You look at the last paragraph here, that's exactly what the Chazanish says. The Chasher Adam. The Chasher Adam nifkash b'nikrech. When a person encounters a situation, then based on the way of the world, it's normal for a person to be scared based on the, on the, on the regular occurrences of the world. And you begin to think that Hashem could save me. All situations, all possibilities are possible. It might be 99% against me, 1% for me, but Hashem is in charge. And I don't know what's going to happen. But the fact that Hashem is in charge means the possibility of salvation is always there, and is a reason for everything that happens. And you begin to think that nothing is by chance, everything is built by Hashem. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be very bad for me, based on my limited human perspective, but Hashem is the one in charge. Here are the key lines for us, the third to last, the third to last line. The source of your amuna is mefig your pachad. What does it mean, lafig? To weaken, to minimize, to take away the sharp taste. 
and it gives you the courage to believe in the possibility of salvation. It's all, every situation is like a 50-50 situation. Because Hashem is in charge, Hashem can do whatever He wants, and yeah, the, 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 the deck seems like it's stacked against me, but the very fact that Hashem is in charge always means there's a possibility of salvation, Hashem can do whatever He wants, that is going to minimize, may fig, to minimize my level of pachad. But no, because Nish is very careful with his words. It doesn't take it away entirely. Human beings have pachad if, if things they think are bad are going to happen, things that they think are painful, things that are painful for them. And therefore, the pachad is always going to be there, but it's diminished because I believe that God is in charge. Yeah, Joe? I, just, uh, I, mean, I don't know the full catalog of It could depend on which, which Hasidic writer you're thinking of. In Chabad, which we'll see in particular, to, there's an absolute obligation to believe before the event happens in the Tov HaNigla Panira, and then if it doesn't happen that way, you have to deal with the fallout. Yeah. Um, but, the, but prescriptively, if you're before an event, Tov HaNigla Panira, and, and it will be good. It will be good, and you, it, there's manif- you're, I think the term in the secular world is a manifest. The more you think it's going to be good, the more of a chance there is it's going to be good. Um, of design good, exactly, and we'll see that inside ex- explicitly, and we're going to see what impact, the Rebbe is very clear, what impact does that have on your emotional state? It's Sorry? It's an unsettling thing to say, you know, you're facing the blood, you're facing the blood of war, right. but it's not totally here, but he, no, but he says, well, you can't be mafaka, you have a haftaka, that you're going to be saved. Right, so, but he's saying the emotional component it's not, uh, no, so I think not what, like you're going to assume that you're not going to see blood. So if you see to the end of the piece, he says you should not feel one iota of hafa whatsoever. Right. I'm saying the emotion, but that's not, that's not uh, speaking to the outcome. I was speaking to the outcome. So good. the emotional reaction. Good, good. The outcome, I, I, maybe we'll okay, okay, I have a different opportunity to talk about the Midah Bitako and this Chazan Ish versus Chabad, other, other groups. But I think if you read the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's writings, um, you go into Chabad.org and you look up what is the definition of Bitako, and it is the absolute belief that Tov and Nikla Venera is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, then the Rebbe has ways to, for you to process that. But before it happens, you have to believe in Tov and Nikla Venera. Because otherwise, how does it deal with the, the, the concept of Kol, Mazav, and Rakhman? Right. So, it's, so according to the that's in the back of your mind. So it's like you are a human being. You live within the plane of, of regular life. And when, things that are painful for us are painful for us. We believe in the back of our mind that it's all, all for a plan. So that diminishes our anxiety, but it doesn't get rid of the human, regular human components. The Rebbe, the Babacher Rebbe, wanted people to transcend that as much as possible. He spoke about how it's impossible before Mashiach comes to totally transcend the regular instinctive human reactions, but the goal is as much as possible to transcend that initial reaction of anxiety and pachad. And we'll see it inside as, as we go on. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting what his name is. Isn't the uh, fear also usable for... Ah, exactly. Bible aspect of Hashem, but it's all of humanity that we can use for 
100%. And then I think the, the thinker that leads us exactly to the next couple the next couple of sources, the thinker that did this, that highlighted this the most was, at least for those of us that aren't actually in battle, but in general anxiety, was Rav Salvechik. Rav Salvechik has a sheet about emotions in general. If you, he has a book, Out of the Whirlwind, about, um, about Avelos and mourning. There he has a chapter about the Torah's perspective on emotions, something, some, some title like that. And the, the, the idea that develops over there is that there are different Jewish groups that try to prioritize certain emotions over others. But what he thinks the standard halakhic approach, if you just go through the Rambam, Mishnah Torah, and Shacharach, there's a whole wide range of human, of human emotions. Whatever, your, whatever is natural and instinctive for human being to feel, you could feel. But what does halakha do for you? It gives you a way of channeling it. It gives you a way of using it for Avodah Sasha. And Rabbi Salvechik, if anybody's read him, um, was a very anxious person. He said that about himself. A lot of fears, a lot of anxiety, a lot of waking up in the morning and not knowing whether or not you're whether or not you're going to, whether or not you're going to, whether or not you're, you're, you're whether or not whether or not you're going to survive today. These thoughts he says in, in his book on Tfila, just you know, they go through the human mind when you wake up in the morning. Maybe his mind, hopefully not most of us. But that was seems to be the way he woke up in the morning. Existential crisis. What in the world going to happen to me today? I have absolutely no idea. And that's what triggers davening. That's what he says in, the, in, the, in source number seven. Um, this is worship of the hearts. Avodah Shabalev. Tfila pi halacha. Tzfilah, halakhically speaking, is triggered by anxiety, by feeling that you're in crisis. There's so many passages in Tanakh that, that strengthen this, this assumption. If your mind is not being pursued by anxiety, you don't feel any, any tzara. You don't feel, you don't feel crisis or, or, or constriction. If fear doesn't hit your brain, then your tefillah is a meaningless expression. Tefillah is a reaction to fear. So feel the fear, feel the anxiety. But what should you do? Not just go about your day, but open up a tehillim whenever you feel whenever you feel that fear. Your davening will be a different type of davening if you're davening out of a place of anxiety and fear than if you're just waking up in the morning and davening. So there's a place for the anxiety, there's a place for the fear. You just have to channel it in the right direction, channel it towards Tvila. Where else does he say to channel, to channel it towards? In the next next piece, Reflections of the Rav. This is also a piece, forgetting exactly what the title, of this, the title of the speech was. It was something to do with human vulnerability and anxiety. Channel it towards Tikan Amidos. You might think if you're successful, that you should be able to become a Bagaiba. If you're always anxious about the future, you're never sure what's going to happen to you at the end of the day, that is going to lead you to a place of anava. It's going to lead you to a, to a place of humility and modesty. In his essays about, about Purim, I, just, I didn't have a chance to, to excerpt this, Sobeshek writes, what was the reaction to the anxiety the Jews felt when there was a, rea- when there was a decree against them? Lech kenosis kola yudin. Something, 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 something which, which, which maybe many, many of us are feeling now. An individual person feels anxiety. You feel fear about the future. You don't know what's going to happen. So who do we lean on? What does that lead us towards? Lake Kenosis Kaliudim leads towards a sense of Achtos. You're not going to get to the sense of Achtos if you don't go through the fear and the anxiety and the realization you can't do it by yourself. You need a nation to lean on. And the nation needs you. So if Salvation found ways, be it Tfila, be it Anava, be it, be it Achtos, ways to channel this type of fear in a positive direction. So Malach number one is that there is a place for fear, there is a place for anxiety. Don't let it paralyze you. Bitaqa means Hashem is in charge, and therefore he shouldn't paralyze you. But feel it, own it, and channel it in a proper religious way. But what does the Rambam say? Look at Psalms number 
the Rambam describes what the emotional state of a soldier should be. The Rambam writes, Somebody who is scared, the Torah describes, that he doesn't have the, the, the courage to stand up in battle. But after somebody does go to battle, he should rely on Hashem. And you should realize you're fighting for Hashem. It is a, it's a holy war in the literal sense. And you should put your nefesh in your, in your, in your hands. You should not be scared. Ram here is quoting Psukim. He cites this as a mitzvah deresa. Ram says there is a mitzvah deresa for soldiers not to feel fear and not to run away. Then the Ram, the Ram goes through. Look at the, look at the next underlying part. If you fight with your entire heart without pachad, and your entire kavana is for Kiddush Hashem, you are promised that nothing bad is going to happen to you. So what are the two elements here in the Rambam's description about the emotional state of a soldier? You realize you're fighting for Hashem, you're fighting for Am Yisrael, you're fighting for something greater than yourself. Number one, no fear. Number two, if you accomplish that, Muftachlo, you're promised that nothing bad is going to happen to you. It's a pretty wild promise if you if you if you if you if, if you take it literally. But let's focus on the first part for a second. How literal is that? You, it's asr mida oraisa according to the Rambam to feel fear in battle. What? I'm sorry. Impossible. That's what most of the Mepharshim say. If you look in the, the stipler, Rabbi Yaakov Kanyaski has a long piece on this Rambam. He says it's impossible for the Rambam meant that you can't feel fear. It's a human, it's a human reaction. How could the Rambam tell you not to feel fear? Rather, what does the Rambam mean? That you shouldn't feel fear. He, the Rambam has one line about this somewhere in the middle. Don't focus on the fear. It's natural. You're going to battle. You're going to feel fear. Don't blow it up in your mind. Try to distract yourself. Try to, try to sing songs. Try to boost morale. Try to do all the things that we see the Israeli army doing to make sure that that fear doesn't take over your mind and take over your heart. But lo yirav klal, totally impossible. Look at the letter of the Igros Kodesh. That's a Maktzedek. The, the, the third of the Rebbe. He quotes, somebody asked him a question about feeling pachad. I feel a lot of pachad, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm sorry. And then the stifler says that. Thank you, thank you for thank you for bringing it up. I think the context is about not being focused on the mission and not being distracted by things around you. Near and Pachad are one expression, one example of that distraction. There is such gavura in Kali Yisrael. It's really unbelievable. I mean, I'm an American guy. I didn't grow up with stories of gavura, with wars, with things, 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 things like this. 
hearing stories like that or just other interviews I've seen or just speaking to people who are doing Miluim in my community, it's really, really unbelievable the amount of just pure gavura, of heroism of, uh, that, that people have for the, the people have for Am Yisrael. Um, so the third of Rebbe, when his response to this person who had Pachad, writes as follows. He quotes this Rambam. This is the Chora Zepeli, source number 10. The Chora, it's, it's, it's a wonder. It's crazy. What's this guy going to do? The guy, the guy feels fear. How can you blame him? Hashem doesn't ask us to do things that are beyond our, beyond our capability. So he's taking the Ramam somewhat literally, as we'll see. And he's saying, how is that within our capability? And he gives you a whole Chabad Rasha. According to Chabad, according to Tanya, first 17 chapters of Tanya, what causes our emotions? Or how do we control our emotions? Cognitions. Chabad. Chachma binadas. That the, the Yeras Hashem and Avas Hashem, the, the, the Midos, the emotion, our emotional life, are the Tulandos, are the derivatives of the Ima and Abba. The Ima and Abba are Chachma Binagas, are cognitions. The, the Antar Rebbe was firmly, firmly believed that, at least for in terms of sustained emotions, you have the ability over your lifetime to, to control which emotions you feel, which emotions you don't feel, based on cognitions. If you firmly think about Gedulah Hashem and Achtos Hashem and God, and you understand what you're thinking about, and you take time out of your day to meditate on those things, you will feel Avas Hashem and Yerat Hashem. It's going to happen. It's an Av, an Aim, and an and, and, and Tuwaza. And vice versa, what does he say over here? Not in terms of creating positive emotions, but in terms of removing negative emotions. Your emotional state is Taloi on your Chachma Binatas, on your cognitions. If you learn the Torah properly, and you learn about Bitakhul, and you learn this Rambam over and over again, it's not going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen in your first battle. It's not going to happen in your second battle. But over the course of a lifetime, you could reach a state where your cognitions control your emotions to the extent that you will not feel any year opachad, even in the scariest of situations. It's a crazy thing, it's a crazy thing to think about. But that is exactly what the Tzamaq Sadek says. Look at the, um, look, look, turn the page just to see it inside for a second. He's talking about, he talks about the the Levushim and how the Levushim of your Makshava control your emotions. Look at the top line of the next page. Vim ifakid belibo. Somebody is scared in their heart. You call the salik ha-makshava dibar maisa. Ve'ikar shalol akshav uladabar mizeklal. El kanal. Distract yourself. Think about other things. Think about bitakon. Ba'zenet savino al-yirak levavchem. Klamar lo takshavu binyin ha Don't think about the paka. What's going to happen next? It's totally in your control as long as you take control of your mind, take control of your thoughts. This takes a lot, a lot of vodat It takes a lot of sustained cognition, contemplation, meditation. It takes time, means you have to take time out of your day sitting in the corner and think about certain themes. But the more you meditate on these themes, it's within your capability to turn on or off the emotions. Obviously, this is Chabad. You're going to feel the emotions very strongly. We're not talking about a, a mechanical robot. But it's within, it's Moak Shalit Alalev. Your mind controls your heart. The emotions are totally there, but your mind controls which emotions you feel deeply and which emotions you want to eradicate from your body. Yeah, Brendan.
I think the, I think the different difference is in the end game. According to the you can never get rid of the pachad. You don't know what's going to happen. And regular human beings, when they don't know what's going to happen, feel a sense of pachad. But it's mefig the pachad. The fact that you believe Hashem is in charge, gets it, it diminishes the pachad. It allows you to overcome it in a sense that it doesn't paralyze you. Within the Kamorla Chabad, lispachet or lispachet. It's within, your, it's within your capability to not feel pachad. It's within your capability to feel totally confident, to not feel any anxiety or feel any fear. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of avodah But the fact that it's a mitzvah means that it's within your capabilities. Yes. Yeah. Is this for everyone? So ultimately, this is, this is a, one, of, one of the things I realized by learning Chabad literature, by reading, by reading um, a lot of things from the Rebbe, um, this is something which, which my friend um, Eli Rubin, Rabbi Dr. Eli Rubin, told me once. So you will find 100 sikhos, the Rebbe says, you have to not feel fear. Believe 100%. And then you'll find one sikha on the back in a footnote somewhere. He'll say, this is obviously very difficult. It's going, to take very, it's going to take many, many years of your life to get there. And maybe you're only going to get there at the Muslim Mashiach. But this is the mission, to reach that state. Does that mean it's capable? It's capable. For, it's capable for everybody. Or not capable for everybody. I don't know. But that's that was the Rebbe's that was the Rebbe's strategy when he was presenting these things. Ninety-nine out of hundred times he presents the ideal. This is what you have to do. This is the chiyuv mitzvah de oresa. And then every once in a while he'll give you a way out. He'll admit this is very difficult. It's going to take years of your life. You may not get there. Maybe only after Mashiach comes we'll be able to experience this. But this is what we have to believe. Um, just to see, yeah, sorry. As if you're a tzaddik, yeah. But also, it's interesting how the someone said that Hashem is deeper mindfully. It's almost like a very cognitive behavioral approach. Yes, 100%. Oh, 100%. So, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has a, has, has a couple of essays about Torah and psychology. Um, so, he points out that CBT, cognitive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, you know, they create like a triangle. You have cognitions, emotions, and behaviors. Usually, emotions are why people are coming to therapy. They're a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, whatever it is. That the theory of CPT is that you can't directly impact your emotions. They're elusive. You can't attack your emotions directly. But it's a triangle, and therefore your cognitions and your behaviors over time could impact your emotions. Um, and that's what CPT works on cognitions, works on behaviors, with the goal of eventually impacting your emotions. So Rabbi Sachs said, this is Tanya. Now Tanya says, Makshava Dibra Maisa impact, impacts your emotions. It's like, uh, what, was, what was the guy's name who started CPT? It was a Jewish guy. Got his name? Beck. Beck? Yeah, Beck. Um, he's like, he tapped into Jewish wisdom. He takes Tanya, that uh, Chabad influences your emotions, takes it for Achina, Akre Pulos, and Shakas Lavavos, you get CBT right there. Um, he has an essay about how all the theories in psychology that he likes are really in Jewish Makoros, somewhere, shape, or form, and they're, and they're, they're in Jews, secular Jews, brought them into the world. Uh, it's an, an inter- interesting, interesting group of essays. Um, so. Let's not um, let's, let's let's skip sources eleven and twelve. They, they they just they bolster what's already there. So let's skip now to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, two sources on the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Krach Lamed Vav. This is one of the later volumes of the Kute Sichus. Um, these the Krach Lamed Vav was either said or published around the time of the Gulf War. So we're talking about 1990, 1990, 1991. And the in the beginning of Krach Lamed Vav, the Rebbe has a very long sicha about the Mitzvah Starting point, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was scared when he didn't know what was going to happen. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but the Rebbe finds Midrashim that criticize Moshe for being scared. Look at source number 14. 
מה שאם כן, אם היו בוטח בביטחון גמר בהשם, איך מוש רבינו would have had complete ביטחון בהשם, ולא היו דורי כלל מהמצב שנמצאו, he wouldn't have felt any anxiety whatsoever, שכן נודע דבר ויכול להגיע לאז נפרו, הרי זה גופה היה פועל שהיה הדבר נשכח וכולי. That ביטחון, that I don't care, it doesn't matter what happens, השם is in charge, and the good things are going to happen, that would have been מבטל any possibility of a negative impact of the Moshe killing the Mitzri being revealed to Paro. What is the Rebbe doing over here, following the Midrashim? He's criticizing Moshe. Criticizing Moshe, at least Moshe as a young man, for feeling that fear. Moshe Rabbeinu only had to run away after Paro heard because he didn't have enough Bitaqa in the beginning and he felt that anxiety and felt that fear. And this is not just you know, some random talk. You look at the source number 13. This was a letter, the Lubavitch, or telegram, whatever they sent, whatever they did back then, but the Lubavitch Rebbe sent to Hasidim in Eretz Israel as the Gulf War was starting, or in the, in the, in the, in the months before the Gulf War. But Ma'anei Sheila, in response to the question, this is a question the Lubavitch Rebbe got from Hasidim, from Chabad Hasidim in Israel. Hayim yesh tarav nishamal v'horaot ha-gimel alef. I don't know what gimel alef is, some governmental bodies, like Pikud Oref. Anyone know what gimel alef is? But what were the horaot? Atimat Chedder having a safe room, the Bishad Masikha Gaz having a gas mask, doing those things, the safest place in the world. So do we really have to take these precautions? There are those people that say they are they're feeling fear as the Gulf War is starting. Because there are Tilim that are falling on us. So two-part question. Should we take all the precautions that Pikoda Orif tells us to do when there is an Azakah? Number two, what about those people, obviously no Chabad Hasidim, what about those people that are actually feeling fear and anxiety? What was the Rebbe's response? Don't separate yourself from the community. There are a lot of Rabbanim say also to follow, to follow, the, uh, to follow the orders. Like Yaakov, Yaakov, told, Yaakov, told his, Yaakov told the sons, Lama Tisrael, don't make yourself out to be in a better situation than anybody else. That's in terms of actual practice. But in terms of your emotional state, I've already discussed this many times. And it's this week Shabbat Shira, Ami Shalom was saved. So you will be surrounded by Chesed. What was the Rebbe's response about the emotional state of Jews in Arab Israel and during the Gulf War? Is that attainable? I don't know. I'm not there. I try to be there sometimes, but I'm, I'm not there. But those are the, those are the, these are the two approaches that we have to the Midah Bitachon and anxiety. We have the Barbanel, the Chazanish, Rav Salvechek. You're scared. Great, be scared. That's what human beings do when they're in, when they're in danger. But you have to, A, your bitakon diminishes the fear, then make sure it doesn't paralyze you, and you're able to channel that anxiety to positive purposes, to tefillah, to achtos, to sensitivity, to a, to a feeling of anivos. And then you have the tzemach approach. It says, lo yirav is literal. That should be the goal, not to overcome, but to totally, totally transcend those feelings of, of, of your and pachad, and it's not something theoretical. The Baal Bajarbe sent this to his Hasidim in 1991 as the Gulf War was breaking out. Do not follow all the Hora'ot of Go into your safe room, wear the gas mask, but do not feel fear. Eretz Israel is the safest place in the world.
which approach is the best, is, is correct, not a correct, I can't, I can't say. Uh, Vilkenstein has an essay about Bitakon, where he basically outlines these two approaches, it's slightly differently, but outlines these two approaches, and says there are Makoros and Rishonim for, for, both, both for both of these approaches. Um, and I think everybody, everybody, everybody should do what they feel more attached to. But they, I think the general vibe, though, is that Bitakon is a way of minimizing fear, minimizing anxiety. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if something is clinical, you have to reach, reach, we have to reach out for, for mental, reach out to professionals. But for those of us that are just feeling that fear, feeling that anxiety, um, there are, Bitakon is something to lean on, to be able to make sure it doesn't paralyze us, to make sure it's diminished, to make sure that we do what we have to do um, during, the, during this Eshara. And just to conclude, the Bas Ayin, who is a Hasidic Rebbe who lived here in Eretz Israel, he points out that in his pieces in Parshas Bahar, that sorry, is your side this week? Oh wow, He points out that in the psukim about in the psukim about about Shmita, the Torah doesn't say you should work the land for six years and have Shmita. The Torah starts off by saying the seventh year you should rest, and then it says you should work the land for six years. So why start off? Why start off with the mitzvah of Shmita? And only then mention the six years of working. He's like, this is about living in Eretz Israel. If you want to live in Eretz Israel, you have to start off with the Shemitah. Yes, there's work to do. And yes, there's a lot of things to take care of. But the Yisod Hadar has to be Bitakon Basham. If you don't have Bitakon, you can't live life in Eretz Israel. You can't conquer Eretz Israel. You can't live a normal life here. There's so much going on around us. I and mean, he was living in the 1700s, 1800s. The earthquake. Yes, thank you, thank you. I, I totally forgot his biography. Thank you, I appreciate that. There's so much craziness happening here. You're not going to survive here without Bitakon. So yes, there is a concept of and There's a lot of work to be done. But this Yusur Hadabra, the starting point, has to be a sense of Bitakon. We're here with a purpose. We're here because Hashem wants us to be here. And living Jewish life here is what, is, is what, we, is what we have to do. And that sense of purpose, that sense of Bitakon, that sense of relying on Hashem, gives us the Koach and hopefully gives our Chaylim the Koach to do what we all have to do um, in, in order to get out of this Eistara. Thank you so much. And if you like this, come back, come back on Tuesday, come back on Thursday for more for more Torah.